I'm really excited to let you guys know that at specialneedsemotion.com, I have four new downloadable PDFs on learning how to sit, learning how to crawl, learning how to stand, and creating portable PVC parallel bars. So check those out. You will not be disappointed. In addition, today I am interviewing a friend a coworker, a grandma extraordinaire, an environmental scanner and product developer. And I had the privilege of working for 25 years with Debbie Kissel in product development for special needs. So I think you will really enjoy this interview. Today's podcast has been sponsored by Skip and Angie Whelan in memory of their parents, Albert and Lenore Maslia, who are not only icons in their community, but supporters of their grandson with special needs and other children with special needs. And as with every sponsored podcast, a pizza has been donated to a family with special needs. This is part of our program, Pizza for Special Families. You can find out more information on our website at specialneedsinmotion.com. This podcast, Special Needs in Motion, is dedicated to helping individuals learn to move and function at their best. Listen along to learn a little and maybe even laugh and be inspired. Please review and share so others can have access to our community. I'm your host, Ilana, a physical therapist, product developer, mom, wife, author, blogger, and podcaster. I love a great discussion, coaching the families with whom I work, and finding solutions. I love putting the fun and play into therapy. And it is a pleasure to be your host. Just a quick note, if you'd like to sponsor an episode, please reach out to me at specialneedsinmotion.com or just check the show notes. And any information shared here should not be taken as direct advice. You know the drill. Consult your local therapist, professional, or doctor before trying any suggestions. Well, let's go. Hi, Debbie. It is so fun to have you on this podcast. I'm so excited that you're here. Thank you for joining me. Well, thank you for asking me, Alana. I appreciate it. So we go way back. I don't know how many years it's been that we worked together. It feels like, I don't know, 25, (laughs) something like that. Since 1996. There you go. And we have just had such a great relationship working together, uh, developing products, and it's been so much fun. And so I love sharing this, some of our knowledge and some of our expertise, there's, there's all kinds of other expertise out there, but from what we've gained over the years of developing products and on all different kinds of levels, like whether it's for your personal use, for your child, for if you're a teacher, or if you want to bring your product to market. So, you know, we've seen products developed on all those different levels. And you come, tell us just a little bit of how you got into product development. Okay, sure. I um, came from a family of of very creative women, and yet they created differently than I was capable of doing. And I always was looking at, well, if I made that, I would do it this way. But I wasn't really allowed to do that. You know, that was back when, you know, you did what your mom and your aunt and your grandma said to do, and you did it according to the instructions, but I, I knew early on that I wasn't wired 
to always follow those instructions. While whatever I created might be very similar to what they were asking me to do, it was I was outside of the box. And I kept trying to put myself in the box. And it wasn't until I had children of my own that I realized my out-of-the-box thinking was beneficial to not only my family, but to others. Um, So I've always enjoyed doing things that were just a little bit different. Like I would look at, let's say one of the early things I made when my boys were little, and I was actually making money, a little bit of money doing that was grapevine reeds. So grapevine are free if you know where they are. So I would go get all these grapevines and make wreaths and put fake flowers on them and a and a bow and I could sell them for like $10 or whatever. So, and my mom thought that was just crazy, but I've always loved doing something. And um, uh-huh. many years so, ago. And, then, oh, and then you and I, we met working at a uh, sport time, which eventually became school specialty. And we worked together at fun and functions. So we've had quite a bit of experience working with companies, but at that time you were a buyer and we, and I was doing catalog and we came together because we had a product that we wanted to, somebody had sent us an idea and you were, your personality was just that person that when I walked up and said, Hey, how can I get this material? You were like, sure, I'll find that for you. Like what I love about working with you was that anything I brought, there was never like, no, we can't do that. There was always like, well, let's figure out a way to do it. So I think that's the first lesson is is, that you have to have this open mind and also to change to right that it you might need to use a different material. Exactly. Like what are you capable of doing? You know, I had it, I worked with an illustrator for a couple of years and he would design all these amazing products, but just because he could put that on paper and come up with this beautiful product, didn't mean it could be manufactured. You know, you have to, or at, at a price point where you can really afford it, you know, like just because you can design an iPhone on paper doesn't mean you can afford to manufacture them. So that was, that's where that thinking outside the box, part of my personality, I feel like came into play. It was like, okay, well, yeah, we want this swing, but we might not be able to do it this way. But what if we did this or this Mm -hmm. or this? And who can we find that can make it the way we want it to be made? Right. And sometimes you just have to take the concept. Like I remember us trying to make this mouth guard thing that we wanted for biting. Mm -hmm. And we realized we couldn't have kids biting on wood, but we made a different biting device. Right. So So we've done that. And also, I like the fact that you brought up that just because you have an idea in your head or even on paper, particularly this is, I think, good information for people listening who maybe want to bring a product to market. You know, you really need to get it into a prototype format. It doesn't have to be a fancy prototype initially, but it needs to be something that you've played around with, that you've tested out either on your own child or whoever you want to use it with before you take it to a company. Um, I think that's important because if you just take a rough idea, it's just one, they don't really know what you want. And two, it's very hard to work from drawings. Very hard. And, and also realize too, that, you know, very few people have made their millions in an idea or a product. I was told a story many years ago uh, by the illustrator for Hasbro Toys, and he, he, had this man come in with this 
hard boiled egg. And he goes, look, this is a toy. And they were weebles. Do you remember weebles? They wobble and they don't fall down. And so um, Hasbro bought his idea for under $1,000. And then the illustrator who worked for Hasbro made all those hundreds and hundreds of weebles. Now, the man who had the idea only made maybe $1,000. The man who created all of those weeble characters only made his salary. Hasbro is who made all that money. And that's where a lot of times we think, you know, people will look look at an idea and say, oh, you should market that. But the reality is you're probably not going to make very much money on it. You're lucky if you do, you know, the fidget spinner lady and the lady who designed the little buttons that go in Crocs, their ship came in and then their ship has gone out. You know, there's nothing left. So that's something people don't really understand that it might be a great idea, but you're not going to make millions on it unless it's that one time, you know, golden egg. Right. And if you really want to pocket that money, then you're going to have to be the investor and the one, let's say, bringing it to market yourself, you know, opening up your own website and business. Mm -hmm. And and that includes marketing and packaging and selling and distributing, you know. So if you want to go that route, yes, but you're going to invest a whole lot up front. You know, what about people also used to ask us about patent? Okay, yes. So tell us, what's the idea behind patents? Because where you and I worked, we didn't really do many patents because they're so expensive. And I was always told, generally, this is not 100%, but most of the time when you make an idea, the money involved in getting a patent is so expensive that it, you have to have almost enough money then to hire the lawyers to back up your patent. Correct. So I'm not saying, I'm not telling people never to get a patent, but just in general, I was told it's better if you just keep making ideas. Like if you're an idea person, just keep making new ideas. Right. And if, so what do you think? If you watch um, Shark Tank, which is a great place to really learn a lot about production and, and ideas and trademarking and patent and those things that go along with all that. A lot of times the shark will make a deal if you have a patent or a patent pending. And that's because all that work's already been up fr- done up front. I've rarely right. seen one of the sharks say, I'll, I'll do what you're asking me to do and I'll take care of the patent because it is very expensive and it's very technical. Your patent might be all of these things, you know, have to be done in order to make your product. Let's say it's a chewing toy for a child, but somebody can come along, somebody that's really clever and look at that patent and go, okay, well, I'm going to do all of those things because I love what you did, but I'm going to add this to it. And that they can do that because your patent didn't right. say this, mm-hmm. you know, so there are. Right. So then you have to defend you it. Do. And you've and then got to go back. Yes. I personally know somebody that lost over a million dollars on her patent with a company that had something similar, but they're just bigger in the ocean of, of, uh, you know, mm-hmm. ideas and they just had more money and their lawyers were able right. to fight her. So, um, patent. Is- yeah. We saw that a lot. Yeah. We saw that a lot, like where, uh, just having to defend an idea or somebody would come to us, you know, five years later and say, that was originally my idea from five years ago. And we would have to go back and prove when we started it, mm-hmm. that happened with a couple different items that you and I uh, worked on together. Right. Tell us a little bit, we're going to get to, in a minute, we're going to talk about, you know, just fun ideas to make for home or for uh, teachers, but, and you're a grandma, so you make all kinds of ideas for your grandkids, but 
tell us just about testing that, you know, because people need to understand it's not just you have an idea and you either make it or send it to a company. There's a lot of legwork there, involved. There is. And it's, you know, it's for the safety of our children. And we all understand that you don't want a toy or a learning device that is not safe for a child or for anybody. Um, a good example is right now what's hot in the market, mainly for adults, are gnomes. Little hairy men with a nose, no eyes, and a hat, right? So one of my grandchildren said, I want my own gnome. Well, they don't make them for children. And here's why. Because that nose is a um, choking hazard and it easily comes off. It's not sewn on. It's just glued on. And then, you know, if you ripped off the hat, the stuffing and all that, all of those things are unsafe. And he kind of looked at me and goes, but I wouldn't do that. Well, that may be true, but it's still a choking hazard. So for it to be a children's toy or safe for children, it can't, it has to be sewn on a certain way and has to have all these safety things, including things like no lead, which in 2020, there's probably not a lot of lead in paint anymore. But every year we find new um, things that are, could be potentially dangerous. There's plasticizers in things and um, all kinds of different things that make things soft. And yet those chemicals could be uh, carcinogenic chemicals. So for testing, there are different tests. If it's a child's product or a child's toy, there are very stringent tests. And then if it's to be used as therapy or a medical device, then it's a different kind of test. But we're always looking at those choking hazards are the big ones. Anything, a choking hazard is any piece that can be pulled off easily by the child. And if it fits down into a toilet tissue roll, the little cardboard roll, that is a choking hazard. So those little buttons that are on babies' outfits or on toys have to be sewn on a particular way with a particular kind of thread so that they cannot be easily pulled off. Right. And also there are, just to clarify, there this, these aren't just random tests. There's testing agencies that these have to go through. And that adds a lot of cost to an item, which adds on thousands of dollars to just the production in. And then plus there's quantities that you have to buy in order to produce something. So a company invests thousands of dollars into just a small item easily. Right. Before production alone, the minimal testing would probably be about 1000 to $2,000 based on how many colors, every single color on a child's product has to be tested too. So you can't just test, you know, um, a red Lego, mm -hmm. you're testing the green and the blue and all of those things. And then you have right, to pay right. for the warning label that goes on it. If you look at a box of Legos, it says not for children under three. And, you know, so the warning label has to be approved by the testing agency. You have to, and nowadays you have to put, you know, don't put in your mouth, not don't put in your ears. You know, there's all these new <laughs> right, labeling right, laws right. and all of those also cost money. And then the other thing that you never pay any attention to at all is like when you buy a pillow for your bed, there's this big long label on it. And that's a, a law label for stuffing. So many, many years ago, stuffing, especially in the United States, when we were producing most of our own products, would be, you know, like goose feathers and things like that. But there's bugs in those things. And there's other, you know, things rolling around in those goose feathers. So different states started cleanliness of stuffing laws. 
And so that certificate that's on your pillow or your comforter or your stuffed animal is telling you that that has been registered with a particular state that it is tested there as well. And you know that your stuffing is clean. Now we import so many products and that same thing applies. So again, there's, there's all these label um, layers of, you know, the things that a company is doing and they're taking all the risk. The company that decides to make the product on their own or buy your idea takes all this risk on. And then can you imagine in 2020, a company took on five new products, let's just say five, and then 2020 happened and we can't buy products, we can't import products, and we can't sell products because nobody's at work. So then these companies are losing millions. And for small companies, it could be detrimental to their business, even for big companies. Mm -hmm. You know, this and no one would have ever predicted that. So that risk, I think we'll see a shift in in a lot of different areas in our lives where that risk is no longer worth worth taking at this point Mm -hmm. in time until we get back on our feet or whatever. Let's switch gears just a little bit and talk about because it is quite challenging to get a product to market. And, uh, you know, we're not discouraging it, but this is great information for somebody that's really interested in going that route. But many of the families I work with, and I love creating ideas for my families and the children that I work with, and I know there's a lot of people like me out there. Um, A friend of mine just shared an idea for making these portable parallel bars out of PVC, which were so simple. And um, I'm having so much fun, like cutting up PVC and putting them together and taking them to houses. So you know, there's so much just, I don't know, internal joy in sharing ideas with other people. And, you know, that's why we're here. We're human beings. We're here to share with each other. So I would love to talk about just some ideas for parents that they can use in their homes. Maybe we could start with, uh, since I'm a physical therapist, uh, with things that move. So maybe like rocker boards or things to jump on, or like I just mentioned, uh, working using PVC, which is a great tool. And it's cheap. right. Well, and another thing, uh, and I, I don't want to say that I'm necessarily cheap, but I try to do things with what I have around the house, you know, and, and a lot of times children will, if you give them a couple of pieces of things, they come up with their own way to do, you know, balance or, or whatever. And, and that I think sparks a lot of joy too, because then they had their, their own idea. Um, but I like to use uh-huh, like pillows, like using, like using pillows. Right, exactly. Uh, for so balance, during, right? um, during the beginning of quarantine, we had to do PE at home. I have two grandchildren that live here, live here. And somebody had posted, look at this cute idea and look at what it's doing. And it was using their stuffed animals. So they went in their bedroom and each of them got like five of their stuffed animals and then um, two laundry baskets. And so we put the laundry basket behind their head and they laid down with their head facing the laundry basket and with their feet they picked up the pillow the stuffed animal and put it in the laundry basket so they had they had the motor (laughs) it cost me no money (laughs) they had the motor plan they did it over and over and over even if they didn't have stuffed animals they could use pillows off the couch or pillows off their bed or pajamas or whatever but they had to use you know their little feet muscles and then their core muscles to lift that up and then stretch and stretch and stretch and put it over their head and hit the laundry basket. 
So yeah, their laundry baskets are awesome for, you know, coming up. There's like a zillion things you can do with laundry baskets as far as using them, like you just said, or target or pushing mm-hmm. them or pulling them or even putting laundry. Right. <laughs> Make know, it fun. It's great. Coil. And I also like right. the first thing I do, like when kids are bored are, is to create an obstacle course with something that we have either outside or inside, but let's just say inside because weather's going to get colder and things like that. So creating like with a card table or a portable table, putting a sheet over it so that they can go under it. So it's always under, over, around, through, um, sometimes I use like trash cans and they have to like leapfrog over the trash can, the smaller ones, you know, like the waste yeah. baskets you have by your desk. Um, I, I do different uh-huh. things where Easy. they can jump and push. Like you just said, push a, a ball, even if it's a small ball and they army crawl and they have to push that ball. But if you have a nice therapy ball, that's even more fun to um, have to push it like either through a tight space or just push it with your head or push mm-hmm. it with your feet. I like to do things like that, that are, again, don't, I can use whatever I have at the house. And then I can also ask the child, well, what do we have around the house that we can use for this? And they'll find all kinds of bizarre things that, that they'll. That's awesome. You know, I had a parent um, say to me the other day that they were going to buy a fort. And I was like, you don't have to buy a Ford. I was like, get a couple chairs and throw a blanket mm-hmm. over it. So that's, you know, one really fun thing. And like you said, you have to crawl under and go in and army crawl or commando crawl under it. You know, also like we used to make, you and I have made tea stools and people can look those up to see what they are if they don't know, but it's basically a pipe with a flat surface on it to sit on and balance, but you can just take a chair and offset it. It's not the same, but you know, people have chairs at home, so you can offset Mm -hmm. your chair by putting something under it, making it a little Mm non-stable. And I also love using walls. Like there's so much you can do with your wall. You can put, you know, a bathroom bar on your wall to hold on to, to stand up. You can put games to do on the wall. Right. And And I I recently found the joy of painter's tape because it comes off and it doesn't leave anything. So I thought about the other day using the painter's tape and bubble wrap. You know how much children love bubble wrap. So just taping the bubble wrap on the wall and letting them, whether they're on their belly or they're sitting in a wheelchair or something, they can, you know, reach out and pop the bubbles that on the bubble wrap. And you can even go a step further and put Let's say your ABCs are the child's name. Let's go even simpler than that. You put Joey on a piece of paper, spread out a little bit, and the child pops all the bubbles that match the Joe, and then they pop the bubbles that make the O. And so then they're using their intrinsic finger muscles, their forearm, all of these things in order to pop the bubbles, which that's all they want to do. But at the same time, you're doing some kinesthetic learning as well. I love that. And yesterday I took just a sheet of white paper and like a long roll and cut it and put it up in a family's house with masking tape so that they could stand at the wall and just draw. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's so simple and cheap and just easy. And then you can take it down after a while and put another one up. And or sometimes I'll have kids like wash the wall with a Mm -hmm. dry Mm -hmm. cloth. So just the idea of, um, you know, standing up and using the wall. 
Um, I have a lot of parents with children that are very profoundly involved, you know, like it's difficult to move them. And so we do a lot more work like down on the floor. So I love the fort Mm -hmm. idea. Um, Anything else with on the floor? I saw the other day um, this little boy, they had taken clear contact paper, which you can get at the dollar store and rolled it out with the sticky side up. So putting that, painter's tape, you know, maybe to hold it down or even a couple books and then had the child, if they're on their tummy, um, put their hand on it. You know, like when babies have those pat mats and they pat, 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 well, then they're patting and their hand gets slightly stuck and they have to pull it up. And I thought, what a great idea. Then I thought, what, and wouldn't that be cool for those toe walkers and for those kids who are struggling, even, you know, like placing one foot and then placing another foot. And even if you're holding them up, then they, you know, if they sensory wise can stand the sticky, um, then they, you know, get that proprioception of pulling their leg up or even an elbow or, you know, a finger, like start there. It just, I thought, what a great idea. I may even use that in one of my camps for the kids just to kind of trap them, you know, <laughs> And get them stuck in one place. Yeah. But I thought that was such a cool mm-hmm. idea because it's something that's so inexpensive. Uh, and I know Walmart sells contact paper as well. Everybody does. But, you know, Dollar Tree, it's a dollar and you probably get 12 feet worth. I don't know. But right. throw it in your and, bag and I'll have it. And there's a lot of things you can get. First of all, I love that idea. I had not thought of that. And I am going to try that one out. And I love going to the Dollar Tree. So that's one of my fun places to go. There's so many little things you can put into buckets. There's just, you know, if you just walk around and, you know, don't be afraid. I think that's the other thing is like, don't be afraid to try things out. And it's okay if it doesn't work out, you know, you can just go back and try something different. But kids sense that, you know, kids see like the creativity coming. And it's also this idea I want to bring up this idea of just problem solving, which is what we're doing. We're finding solutions. So when children see this, like, oh, there's something and my mom or dad and I are coming up with an idea an idea for it, it really teaches this idea. It, it carries over outside of making toys and products to this idea of like, oh, I can I can solve things. I can come up with ideas to make Make the world better, make something else better. That's what I like the most is the problem solving that the child is involved in figuring out a solution. I can't do it this way, but I can do it this way. And Mm -hmm. I feel like that is going to make the world a better place. Okay, fine. Let's, we can't do that, but we can do Mm -hmm. this and this and this. You know, when I brought in my PVC parallel bars, which I'm working on a PDF for, by the way. But when I was, uh, when I brought them in, um, the, the brother, he took them and started making like telescopes oh. and pipes, you know, like toys. And I had to undo it to create the bars. And he came back and he's like, what did you do with my telescope? So, you know, there's, there's just all that creativity in children that can be harnessed just by bringing some some materials in in front of them and just raw material mm-hmm. can be made into all sort of fun things. Can we talk just a little bit about swings? Cause I love swings and a lot of parents are really hesitant to use them. And obviously there's safety issues. Swings need to be put up safely and properly, but let's just talk about, you know, some different types of swing ideas that they could use in their home. The, 
the the salute the let's see in order to overcome where they're going to put it you have to have either like a swing bar or a frame and when you you also have to look at with your swing is it going to be a very active swing where the child is pumping or you're pushing and pushing so that you have that stability or is it going to be more of a passive swinging where you can use like a swing frame to put like a hammock swing or something like that in it and it's a gentle rock so that that's the first thing you have to uh-huh. decide is is it going to be passive or is it going to be an active swing? And then there are bars on the market that you can put in the doorway that are very sturdy and durable, and you can put swings in the doorway. My experience, all of um, the children that we've had like active swinging, so the doorway really wasn't a solution for them because I had one that liked to swing and then throw himself into the door, which clearly he was telling us he <laughs> needed some more proprioception because he really liked that banging into the doorway, which is okay, but you know, it can leave bruises. So that's the first decision. And there are a lot of swings in the market. You can get at Walmart and Target and places like that. If you're going to just use a swing, you know, with a little platform and the rope or the plastic coated chains. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. So one other way I have had parents up a swing is using two eye hooks, mm-hmm. like two ceiling hooks from Home Depot that are mm-hmm. weight bearing. You know, they hold hundreds of pounds and they will have them installed properly into a, a doorway. Obviously, you have to check to make sure it's the right kind of doorway and that it's secure. And I have them check it every yes. time they use it to make sure that it's not loose because those can come loose. But if you're using it with, with, you know, one child under supervision, obviously you haven't put a mat under it. But sometimes we'll put up just like a little strap swing or a little tight mm-hmm. swing with a child, let's say that's 30 pounds or less, you know, and um, that's not the best solution, but it's very economical and they can get a swing for about $30 Plus, total, you know, between right. the hooks. And the benefits of swinging, you know, the vestibular benefits, I understand how important that is and that movement that you're getting out the whole body is moving and, and it is very beneficial. And so I think that swings are very important for children as well as, you know, for adults, a lot of adults enjoy that you enjoy swinging and sitting, you know, who doesn't have a front porch swing like out in the country where I am, every porch has either a swing or a rocker. And I find that rocking is the same to me. Rocking is the same movement. So that that mm-hmm. is an option mm-hmm. if you ha- you can't do the swing, you know, maybe you can get a rocker, a child size rocker or even a big rocker and allow them to rock as hard as they want and, or as gentle as they want. And they're still getting some of that vestibular right. motion. Uh-huh. And with young children, I will have the parents just use a blanket or a beach towel and we'll lay the child across the towel. And I'll have one adult hold on to two corners, another adult hold on to other corners, just lift them a couple of inches off the floor and swing them manually holding, you know. And so that's just so simple way to get a little swinging before they get I think too we big. St- and we start some. out, you know, as when they're born as infants with the f- first thing we do when we hold them in our arms is start rocking. So it's such a, a yeah. natural thing to be rocked and then to rock and then to swing. It's a progression, you know, and even as we age, as you get older, you know, then you're back in that swing on the porch and then you're back in your rocker so that we must have been designed for movement uh, regardless 
any uh-huh. anything and, that happened and, to our body or whatever, there can be movement easily, you know, unless you're strapped to IV poles and things like that. But other than that, I think movement is critical to our well-being. Right. And you know what? I show, because I do a lot of telehealth and in person, but I show parents how to use their bodies as a therapy tool. And sometimes it's just using their leg, their thigh as a bolster, you know, for working on crawling or as an obstacle for a child to get over or to sit across like a, like a horsey ride, you know, um, or even their, their trunk, the parent's trunk or core, you know, to sit the child on. So, and also just holding a baby on your hip, works on head and neck and arm control. And then you switch sides to the other side to make sure we do it on both sides Um, just crawling around on the floor with them. So, you know, don't forget the value of your own physical body um, as an idea uh, for playing around on the floor and getting some really great therapeutic. I like what you said though about remembering Uh, to switch sides uh, because that's critical to development. It helps with eyes. It helps with hearing. And, And so often as a mom, you know, you hold that baby on your right hip typically and you forget to move them around. Or if you're swinging, let's say you're holding them in your lap and they're on their tummy. Remember, gosh, when I had children, nobody talked about tummy time. And now we've found out how important tummy time is to build those muscles in their arms and in their necks. And so you holding them on your, on their tummy, on your lap, but remember to like pick them up and then hold them. Maybe you still want them on their stomach, but hold them upright so that the air is flowing different and the muscles are different. And they're up and not just always down on their stomach or lying on their back or, you know, moving children around mm-hmm. is important as well. Right. Now, I have a lot of kids that are very oral and for years, you know, they need things in their mouth and to chew on or fidget in their fingers. And you and I have spent quite a lot of time developing fidgets and chewies, as we call them. Um, But what are things like just around the house? Um, Obviously, you can go to the store and buy baby Mm -hmm. toys that are safe for chewing on. Um, But what are some, do you have any other thoughts on that? I'm always cautious about things that go in the mouth, you know, making sure like, for instance, this is not what you should do. uh, Those scrunchies that go in girls' hair with the cloth on them. Um, are great mm-hmm. for chewing, right? They, they're soft, they might be fine, but you don't know about the dyes that are in the material. So I'd be very careful. So the, the maybe a few things. One is a wooden spoon. Um, I have purchased some that are shorter or longer, depending on if the kid is sh- jamming things down their throat. But at least you know that's food safe and it can go in their mouth and they can gnaw on the you know, on the handle or on the Mm -hmm. spoon part. Another thing I used to use all the time with supervision were chicken legs, taking off all, you know, letting the child gnaw on the bone, very carefully watching them the whole time uh, or holding it even, you know, with a little bit of paper towel wrapped around it or whatever after the meat's off, just the bone itself, which, you know, they're getting good nutrients Mm -hmm. from that as well. But I'm really cautious about things that go in the mouth and, I would prefer they chew on their own fingers and thumbs because we know it. Right. Or purchase one that's been safety tested. There's plenty out there on the market for 
or chewing and putting things in their mouth. Um, and also just at home, like kids that are very oral, you know, I suggest like either mm-hmm. popsicles or things, you know, food grade products, you know, you can even put them just on the lips, you know, if they need and things like that. And what about fidgets? Like, gosh, you know, those are things I have a lot of kids that need to have something all in the time. Hands yep. I have just, a grandson that yeah. if there isn't something in one of his hands, he doesn't feel complete. And it doesn't matter what it is. One day he had a shoestring. I was like, where did you get that? And he just looked at me, but he has to have something uh, all the time. It doesn't matter Mm -hmm. what it is. And he's really not fidgeting so much with it. I think it's just like a a little safety net. Like it's his little leash to reality. I'm not sure, but he always has something in his hand. So uh, my favorite Mm -hmm. thing in the whole world is Play-Doh with buttons inside of it or therapy putty or make your own putty and, and put, you know, what, of course with supervision, um, pens, uh, pennies and buttons and little toys or little Legos so that they have to pull them out. And I do find with several of the fidgety kids that that satisfies that need, like they've done it, that activity's done and, and they're cool. They can move on to something else, but always looking for something in the putty. Another Right. And I also have suggested using cooking flour, which is really soft and unless you're allergic to it, but little kids typically are not. And that way, if it does get on their face or something, you know, it's not dangerous. And then you can put those objects in there. I always tell parents like right before bath time, like just take your child's clothes off, you know, just leave them in their diaper sit them on the kitchen floor or at a high chair and give them a tub of flour, put things in. So it's, it's a great sensory mm-hmm. activity. Making gel uh, pudding in a Ziploc bag is fun as well. You put all the ingredients in a zip, make sure it's a good Ziploc, put it in there and they have to make the pudding. So they're smushing and smushing and squeezing and squeezing and squeezing until it turns to pudding. And then you have a little sensory bag. You could add a couple things to it if you wanted so that they can smush them around. I've done that for, learning your alphabet. So they move the pudding until it makes the letter A, you know, different things like that. And then because it's in the bag, they get to take it. We don't even take it out. We just hand them a spoon and they can eat the pudding. Wow. That's great. We have talked about quite a few different things here, just touched on a mountain of ideas and you run a summer camp for your grandchildren. Every summer. I do. And it's one of the highlights of my summer and Christmas. I do one at Christmas as well. And you have I themes, do. I, right? I am a theme person. I think I'm made that way. I either color coordinated or themed. Uh, everything I do, I feel like falls into a theme. You know, it's fall right now. So I'm always looking at leaves and pumpkins and gourds and things like that. It's just the way I'm wired to be you know, in a theme of something. So my camps are all themed and uh, the children absolutely I have one of the, I have 10 grandchildren. I have one of the 10 that like he comes and he's done with the thing and then he's ready to move on. He hasn't embraced yet how camps really run, but, but he'll get there. <laughs> I find that he's probably bored with some of the things, but he'll get there. Well, and I have a mom who's, 
daughter is very involved as far as, you know, more profoundly challenged. And so she can't move very well on her own or communicate, but she takes, she buys different pillows for each season for her bed and her environment. And so I love that. And she's always changing the room Uh. up for her. And, you know, and, and these are things that you can just go, like you're saying to Dollar Tree or Walmart. I had one mom whose child was also profoundly challenged and she um i talked to her about sensory rooms you know all the lights and bubble tubes and those can be super expensive but she was so smart she was very young she was like 24 years old and she went to dollar tree and walmart around christmas time and got rope lights and all and and mirrors and you know tinsel and she created like a sensory a dark sensory room for him for maybe the whole thing was yeah. 70 dollars so there's so much you can do if you just, you know, want to exactly. go on Pinterest. There's ideas there. There's don't be shy mm-hmm. is what I tell people. And always don't be look, shy. just, you know, and, remember to supervise, you know, things that we buy in those stores are not children's products. So therefore they're not tested. So you want to make sure, you know, you would not let your kid put a string of lights in their mouth, but a child would love to put a string of lights in their mouth. So you have to just watch those kinds of things. But I think you could make a sensory room for under $75 easily. Okay. So just to summarize, safety is paramount. So whatever you do use, whether it's a swing or small toys or anything like that, you know, even if you're buying from a company, use your sense and be cautious with product and creating product, uh, please keep safety in mind. And don't be afraid to be creative and step out of the box. And I can't think anything else. I just say, you mentioned Pinterest. Pinterest is full of ideas. And a lot of times um, parents are already doing some great things and you just make it your own. You look at that and you go, well, I can't afford this or I, I don't know how to do that. And you figure out how to do it on your own and, and you're fine. Like an obstacle course, you don't have to have expensive tunnels and blocks and all these things. You use what's around your house or the uh, be- the beach blanket or whatever so that you can rock your child. There's a lot of things that you can do and you just look or Google and say, how can I do a swing at home without any equipment? You know, those are great places to get ideas. And then, and just ask, ask Alana, she'll tell you, you can do that. (laughs) (laughs) Or Debbie. And so Debbie, if someone wants to reach you, is there a way for people? Sure. You can use my, if they have questions about anything, I love talking to people and I love creating ideas for them and giving them ideas, you know, where to find it. And I'm a friend of mine called me an environmental scanner. Like I know what's going on out at the Dollar Tree and I know what's going on at Walmart and Target and Amazon. You know, you can find this here. I know you can find it and and what's on sale. So uh, yeah, they can always reach out to me and I'm happy to send an email or a call them, whatever. Okay. Okay. So I will put that in the show notes and thank you so much for spending this morning with me. It has been such a pleasure. I miss you so much. And I just, I love talking ideas with you. So I really appreciate your time. Miss it a lot. Okay. Well, have a great day.
Thank you for listening and sharing. I really appreciate your helping me spread tips that might be of help to someone you know. And remember that why is not near as important as what and how. Have a special day.